Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store on the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow, Roxy, and Whiskey, ask for Blaze or TC. Mention Energize, and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. Good evening, America. Good evening, Planet Bra. Lon Friend is here, sitting in his dwelling somewhere in the desert of Neon City, on the outskirts, and it is a microcosm of the true promise of technology and the connectivity of man in this modern and miraculous age. I could sit on my floor with my MacBook that I bought at Mac Hollywood in 2008 when I was living with Rob Hill in the loft, which is chapter 21 of Sweet Demotion. And I, I, I got a USB microphone at Radio Shack in Alexandria, Virginia <clears throat> when I was visiting Christopher Bush the Bushman, who is carrying the torch of Rip Magazine online on social media. And we did the show from his man cave on this microphone. Then I was back in L.A. for a few months. And then I relocated day after New Year's back to the city where I wrote my first book, uh, where I learned a lot about who I was and who I am and who I shall be as we tread on through this lifetime, my lifetime. So consider this, okay? I'm looking at the things around me. <laughs> There's the dong, the mini gong that Charlie Benante had pasty send me over 20 years ago. It's a little gong. You know what? Hold on. I'm going to get up and bang it right now. All right. How's that? Okay. I hope the neighbors didn't catch that. <laughs> hey, who's that dude? That a up banging a gong. Hey, get it on. Um, there's my lithograph 
It's the John Lennon lithograph that Joyce Friend, the beloved mother, Megan Friend, the sacred, on my birthday, well, all these things happened over 20 years ago. So that's staring there. There's the Kate Bush lithograph of the red shoes signed Toulon Best Wishes, Kate Bush. Now, you recall if you've followed my travails over the last couple of years, several years, that I've liquidated things to get through the transition, the bridge. To get across the bridge, you have to pay the toll. The toll to get across the bridge from where I was to where I am was letting go. Letting go of things, letting go of people, mostly letting go of myself, right? But I didn't sell the Kate Bush. I also didn't sell <laughs> the Bob Marley black and white blow up where Bob's got a spleef in his fingers and he's tasting the end of the paper. This is from the photo session that Glenn LaFerman, who shot so many, so many sessions for Rip Magazine. <clears throat> Glenn did this session for a Japanese playboy less than a year before Bob left us. So we were talking 1980, 1981, because Bob died in 1981. And it's a remarkable session. I guess if you go to Glenn's website, you might be able to find it that he gave me this print. And I have a painting that was hanging in my Aunt Esther's house in Downey for, for 30 years, 25, 30 years. And before she went off to Florida, which she didn't return from because, you know, you heard that podcast, she died 11 days after my mom died in August. And she was the angel aunt. So I have her painting. And here's the thing about me. Um, I lived in 10 places in 10 years. But I, I've only had two, three sort of apartments to myself. And only one did I hang anything on the wall. And that was in Las Vegas. When I first got here, I hung stuff on the wall. The others, Long Beach, stayed up. Um, the things that the, they stay on the floor. There's something about nailing holes in the wall and hanging uh, stuff. There's a permanence to that, and permanence requires commitment. And commitment, well. <clears throat> what have I been committed to over the course of my life? Um, I could tell you one thing. Four guys from Liverpool... Today, January the 20th, 2014, is the 50th anniversary of the release of Meet the Beatles. That was the first album, vinyl piece of miraculous matter that I ever purchased. It started me on my road. Now I have, because I have my books here now, right? They're out of storage, so I have my books so I could read to you from the, the paragraphs from Planet Rock that will take you back 50 years to the seven-year-old boy 
in Sherman Oaks, California, having his musical epiphany. It was 1964. No VCRs, no TiVo, no internet, no DVDs. All he had was television. If you missed a show, that was it. My brother Rick and I planted our prepubescent butts down on the living room floor of our $120 a month duplex at 7.45 p.m. My mother was oblivious to the event that was about to unfold before her and the rest of civilization. She was still grieving over JFK and the departure of my dad. We sat on the floor in front of our black and white set. As showtime approached, our toes started wiggling. Then the screen went black and boom. Opening shot, that odd-looking old man with the hunched shoulders, tacky suit, and high voices on the camera. He starts talking about the craziness that's been taking place around the TV studio ever since their plane touched down. The introduction was brief because the audience was screaming so loudly. Here they are, the Beatles. Rick and I were bouncing as McCartney's face filled the screen. First notes of all my love and poured out of his smiling mouth into the Milky Way. It was like tasting a Hershey bar for the first time. For the next two minutes, the camera darted back and forth between Paul up front on bass, John Lennon on rhythm guitar, the frail George Harrison on lead guitar, and that silly happy man named Ringo banging the drums, intercut with shots of screaming females who'd lost all sense of decorum, whipped into momentary madness by this magical new music. The scene represents a snapshot of the earth knocked off its axis. I'm not sure that I haven't heard the song, I Want to Hold Your Hand, exploded off the, the Sullivan Show. A song. My father was a traveling musician, but memories of seeing him perform before my parents split are all but non-existent. For all intents and purposes, music came to my life via the Beatles. And from the very first notes, I was hooked and have been for more than four decades. Let's edit that to five decades cool okay so there it is january 20th the record hits it's on the radio if you grew up in where i did in los angeles you were listening to the songs on khj 93 krla 1110 those were the main stations that played pop music back then i remember at night i would i had a radio in my room and I would be able to like tune into San Diego the San Diego station and he was playing the Beatles it's, it was ubiquitous so, so what was our life just going home and listening to the radio listening to the radio then getting records first the radio then the records Woo! so here we are, 2014. I'm in Las Vegas. I'm talking to you, wherever you are, whoever you are. I bless you for being here this evening, for listening, and for tapping and clicking on the podcast link as the days go by. I don't do a lot of promotion. Let me just shout out from the beginning because of the synchronicity of what just left town, the adult community was here in mass i only made it down to the strip once to have dinner with luke and alexandra because they're my favorite couple porn or otherwise they're just one of the most magical pairs 
I've ever met Luke Wilder and Alexandra Silk, and they put a dinner together. How about get ready for this synchronicity? They put a dinner together, and there were about eight of nine or ten of us. And Luke says, I want to get away from the hard rock and, you know, the hotels down here and, and uh, go someplace funky. I said, where do you want to go? He said, well, my favorite Chinese restaurant is, is in a hotel, you know, a little ways from here. I said, what hotel? The Gold Coast. Ping, pang, pong. It's the best Chinese in town. I go every year with Alex. We come in for the awards, we go. The AVNs, the Adult Film Awards. And I said, the Gold Coast Hotel, okay, <clears throat> that's where my daughter was conceived on my father's 60th birthday, July 3rd, 1989. So that sounds just fine to me. And we had a fantastic dinner, and I met a... What's the right nomenclature now? Dwarf? Little person? Short person? You know, Miles Finch type of person. I met this wonderful guy named Brian. Brian is the leprechaun at, at O'Shea's. <laughs> and we had this dinner. It was great. It was some of the, the best food, sesame chicken and crazy stuff. So um, as the week progresses, I'm going to gigs. I'm going to tell you about one of them when I close tonight because that artist's song is going to lead us is going to lead us into the nighttime, lead you away from me and into your nighttime. <clears throat> but right now I want to acknowledge who I saw last night. And that that was the Boys from Chicago Sticks. Now let me just preface this. I had a couple Sticks records in the 70s. I think I had Grand Illusion. And, um, but they, but see, I'm Prague Euro. I'm UK. Hardcore, you know, Genesis, Gentle Giant, Straubs, Curved Air, Hatfield in the North, Caravan, Camel, Randograph Generator, Triumvirate, PFM. Just, there they are. That's, that's yes. That's where I come from. And when the Americans started their prog thing, they were emulating the Europeans. Some of them did it okay. I thought maybe probably Kansas did it the best. The early Kansas until Carry On Wayward Son made them so fucking huge. And then you lose your chops when you get too big. It's hard to hold on, on to your to your edge. It's not that they made that record to have a hit. I don't know if they did, but the but like the first Kansas record was fucking wicked, and the and I love the first Ambrosia record, which was they came out of the San Fernando Valley where I grew up, and I also love the first Journey record. My brother and I listened to all these records. The, the this was the American progressive Dixie Dregs too, pretty cool Steve Morse, <clears throat> but it. It really, in, in Toto, total, it did not uh, match the, I guess, the mythical circumference of European bread prog. So, um, 
But sticks, a few years ago, I mean, they did, I saw them at Palms, at the Pearl. Well, I can elaborate on that later because I had a long day at the Pearl. But they, they, they did a strong two-hour set, and they do their hits. But really, the best song in their set is a Beatles cover, which they played live a few years ago, like 10 years ago, and it caught a radio caught it just like radio caught the Beatles and it's become like a really like a standard in their set and you know why because it's it's the best song they do it just is they just they take they interpret this with reverence and then they take it to like a just a little bit more progressive level and I I, I love it so wow Thank you for joining me. We're going to have a wonderful conversation. I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to the world. It's Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast.
and she's banging, singing Hare Krishna, man, you should have seen him, kicking at the rallying ball. Energize the Lawn Friend podcast. So this is what this is what you have in your back pocket now. Whenever if you're raising children or you're around young people and or you're in a foreign country or you or you find yourself abducted and you're in another solar system and you're trying to explain a uh, a focal point in time where it all began and you have to explain this to somebody in a musical modern musical context you can now just say 
Uh, began on January uh, 20th, 1964, when Meet the Beatles was released in America. <laughs> of course, then that's domestically centric. They were out in England before that, and then and they started in Germany. But you have to have points. You need to have focal points. What followed that was February 9th, 64. And that's coming up. And I might be doing something really exciting on that day. And I want and I will totally share it with you. But the love show at the Mirage in Las Vegas has been going on for, for a decade now, over a decade. It's spectacular. I saw it on its one year anniversary and I wrote a review my first time through Vegas. I when I was living here, oh three, oh four, I wrote a, a a piece, a review about it, and I got to interview one of the sound engineers and one of the cast members. And it was just, just a glorious experience. You're in this beautiful theater and there's Cirque du Soleil shit going on. But you're hearing the voices of John Paul, George, and Ringo coming over this state-of-the-art Herculean-sized PA. And it's like you're there with them in the studio, in the room, as they're creating the stuff, compost of what would become modern pop culture in musical, modern musical format. Yeah, man, this is kind of a day where well, it's been a week where I, I have gotten nostalgic and I, I don't, I'm not dwelling so much on the stuff that's gone, but I'm utilizing it as reference points for like how much gratitude I feel for where I'm at right now. Getting fresh eyes for this, this beautiful desert community. Hanging out with my brother and my sister-in-law and my nephews. Got to introduce, it took, it took like 12 people to see Sticks. Thanks to, you know, <clears throat> my new friend, George Maloof, who owns the Palms. It's kind of cool. We're, we're all meet all these people are huddling around this chef, this friend, this beloved friend, Chef Carrie Simon. I'm writing about it, about his. You have to go online and find out. I don't want to make a glib statement because it's a very intense project, and <clears throat> he's going through some heavy water, choppy water. And I'm just honored to be in the middle of some extraordinary people in a campaign. I'm, I am starting at my essence, which is right. But you're connected in more ways than that. You know, the ancillary stuff happening, a benefit and a foundation. <laughs> and I have to be purposely vague. Because, let's see, this is my show. We're here to lift the energy. I don't have my Vegas partner, engineer, Jeff Young, and Sherry Klein. I don't, I don't have the hosts of the last two podcasts. He's got, he's got a board, 12 channel or something, whatever that means, board. And then he's got these high-end mics, these NAM show mics. 
And so when my dad did the show last week, he had, you know, he had his rig set up. Now we're just on my $50 uh, Radio Shack and my six-year-old MacBook, which is fine because you're still getting the you're still getting the content that's coming out of my mouth without a fucking word scripted. And tunes that some of them I thought about and some of them Mike finds. <clears throat> but it's all good tonight, man. Did you watch the football? I mean, I have been just in heaven these playoffs because because I don't have an allegiance to a specific team. I have a, a universal love for the game and competition and the drama. It's the only thing militaristic I really truly appreciate is football and the athleticism. But those were crazy games, man. And I have a lot of San Francisco 49ers friends because there's a lot of a lot of history in the Bay Area. And my friend Steve Cohen, who owns the Village Pizzeria in uh, Larchmont in Hollywood, he he's just, he's crushed. He's crushed like that red pepper he puts on his Brooklyn slices. But I'll get over it. Hey, you know, it's how it ends. It's the way it ends. For whatever anybody says, you can't throw three interceptions in a quarter. I mean, and dodge the big bullet. It could have gone either way. Seattle's kind of a destiny team this year. And they got the USC coach who got, you know, run out on a rail because the team was so crooked. <laughs> and then he reinvents himself, reborn, reborn in the home of Jeff Tate and Mike McCready and Craig Gass this, and all these other characters, Jimi Hendrix. It's good for Seattle. It's also good for Denver, the Mile High City. Because they, they were epic this season. And they won, a, and they wasn't even a contest yesterday. Wasn't even a contest. And those are the, they're just a great quarterback matchup. So condolences. Did I finish my thought earlier? Because I tend to get off and sometimes I don't finish a thought. But my sponsor, I was shout. I talked about Luke and, and Alex and, and the dinner I had at Ping Pong Pang <laughs> with the porn people. And I didn't mention finish the the, uh, the 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 accolade to Hustler Hollywood, my sponsor, my one and only, Energize's one and only sponsor since the first couple months when Big Stew from Remax Huntington Beach was was helping us out. But really it's all it's all been about Teresa Clinton, Hustler Hollywood. They won best retail. You know, it's not like the other awards, best cunnilingus or best ass fuck or, uh, I don't know, best newcomer, emphasis on the comer. 
But it's a prestigious. You get you win the award for your best read. You got best retail. So way to go, Hustler Hollywood, my sponsor. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I got a whole team out there working the streets to get me sponsors. I got the guy who who's who's delivering the news to the dude that his car was found and and that some vagrants pissed in it. And and the dude is like, well, do you, dude, are you like, you got any leads? Leads. <laughs> leads. They got us working in shifts. Yeah, I got my team of scouts, of, of, of money wranglers, of suits, banging the pavement across the internet for Sponsors energize the lawn friend pockets. I've got, got them working in shifts. <laughs> oh, good. All right, then. Okay, so, so I've been driving a lot in the valley. You're going up 215 and you're up by the mountain and, and a lot of driving on, uh, on the highway just to, around the valley. And I've had one, one CD in my deck. It's the CD that Jay Vinitsky made for me. And we're going to see musical boxing. That's the Genesis Gabriel era. And there are, they're, they're like scientists. They like they took the DNA from early Genesis and they reproduce it. It's like the stage is a petri dish and they reproduced Gabriel era Genesis, which is the best. And they're um, they're performing. So Jay made me the he made me a couple of CDs and one of them was the record that has since I got here two and a half weeks ago. It just if I'm listening to radio or games, one thing, KNPR, which I'm fond, very fond of and glad to be back listening to that sweet little NPR station here, 88.9. Um, but this, this, this record, it's, it's just, it's getting into my cells. It, it, it is the most mass, it is the true masterpiece of the past I don't know, several years for me, complete. One that just, it's in my fibers. And it's the Stephen Wilson record. The uh, the child genius from Porcupine Tree. <clears throat> the, the raven that would not sing. And other stories. And, and when this song comes on that I'm going to play you now, I've played a couple of Wilson tracks over the last few weeks, but I don't know if I've played this one. This is the one that you just, you get so lost in, in the finale and in the build and in the beauty. Go to YouTube. Please watch this video. It's, it is absolutely a work of art. It's a movie and it's an animated film conceived by some very talented filmmakers in England and 
and by Stephen Wilson. And the song is called Drive Home. And I'm home. And this is Energize.
Energize the Lawn Friend podcast. If you, it, if I could describe, like in a nutshell, that song, it's comfortably numb. That's what it is. It's it's an epic, painful, rapturous, hard rock, progressive, perfect ballad. That's what that is. I mean, just listen to the guitar solo. It just harkens Dave Gilmore and the 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 theme and everything about it. It's great. It's just fucking great. Stephen Wilson's great. My brother and I went to see Porcupine Tree when they played the House of Blues here in Vegas when I was when I was here in two thousand and five, and. There were like 200 people in the room and they played like they were in a stadium. I mean, we were, it was, it was just beyond great. Fast forward several years later, I'm seeing Porcupine Tree in front of uh, 5,000 sold out at the Radio City Music Hall in New York, one of the most elegant buildings killer vintage venerable buildings to see a rock show any kind of show in midtown manhattan they did a three-hour set with full pink floyd visual presentation as only the tree can that was an amazing experience it really doesn't matter where you see the rock and roll if it affects you affects if it affects you then that's what matters. So I need to apologize again. This might not be so bad when you click on the podcast link, but the few people who listen to this live, because we do do this live. We've done every show. This is like number 42 or 43. We've done every week live, and then we don't edit anything, and we don't, I don't, it's not fixed. We just put it up. Mike Stark. LA's radio studio in San Pedro, my partner, he puts it up. But when you're listening live, there's, there's a few of you, like Jimmy Martinez, <laughs> who listen live. And it might be breaking up a lot because of my cheap mic and my old MacBook. So I'm going to repair that situation so you get a better quality. But if you're getting every other word, I'm sorry. And if, if you are getting a piece of whatever I'm saying and it's making some sense, first of all, it's a miracle if I ever make sense. So with or without technology throwing a <clears throat> wrench into the works, I'm just happy whoever's out there listening. This is catharsis for me. It's catharsis. I live out by a mountain. I, I like mountains. I've always liked mountains. Never lived on top of a mountain or stayed on top of a mountain. I've been up to a few mountains, not like really intense mountains, like the kind that that the Himalayan Sherpas walk you up to. But a few, you know, five, 6,000 feet, something like that. So there's a mountain near me called Sheep Mountain. And... It's it's on the northern border of the valley, 
if, if you get on the 95 highway and you go north toward Tonopah and Reno, you get out into the real sort of open, weird space. Stuff where, you know, there's weird vibrations. And maybe not weird, but there's things going on out there. You know, things that we don't understand. How many of you love Contact? It's like one of my top ten movies. It's in the top ten. Always will be. And there's some great movies that have come out lately that could push anything out of the top ten. How great was American Hustle and Gravity? Oh, man. Those are fantastic films. Uh, I'm not a film critic. I'm never a rock critic. It's stories to tell. Stories. Oh, I was going to tell you. Oh, so, okay, how about this? So Cheryl, who's a host at Caesars Palace, she's worked there for 24 years. She's my friend Cheryl. She used to be married to my friend Nick. Nick is a great friend. We met Larry Flint connected us in mm, about 16 years ago, something like that. You know, Nick worked in the he's a player representative kind of guy. So Cheryl, when I come in, she invites me for dinner, and like they they eat, you know, at the Caesars restaurants. One of the restaurants there is the Homestead. It's a steakhouse. There's, there's a, the original homestead is in Brooklyn, New York. After Use Your, the Use Your Illusion show at Madison Square Garden, when Guns N' Roses and Skid Row and Soundgarden, that's right, they opened, played Madison Square Garden, I think it was 91 or 92. Axel took like 40 people to the homestead. And it's, it's, it's arguably the best steakhouse in the United States. So, of course, they got one in Caesar's Palace because the great restaurants, they all got to open here. Like my friend Carrie, who's opened many restaurants here in Las Vegas. Like the one I was at yesterday with the Palm, Simon Restaurant and Lounge. But he had the restaurant at the Hard Rock for years. That's where I met him. Okay, stay with me. Here's the thing about this dinner. So I meet Cheryl, and we, we're, uh, she goes, have a steak. I said, I eat very little red meat. She goes, you're at the homestead. you got to order a steak. And I look at the menu, and I haven't had a steak in like a really high end, certainly not here, in a long time. And, and, and I'm looking at the prices of these steaks. And, hey, if you're blessed to have somebody else throwing down, I had a $68 piece of filet. And I didn't order the big one. I felt guilty ordering it at all. Eight ounces. <laughs> so listen, this is how out of how to, out of, uh, um practice and protocol I am brings this piece of meat. And I take a picture of it and start texting it to people. I'm eating a $68 steak. 
So I, before I cut it open, I, I, what an idiot. I asked the dude, hey, can I get some A1? It was like I asked if I, I, want, if I could have a beaker of urine to pour on my steak. And he just looks at me with this condemnation and says, we don't have A1. You're at the homestead. I said, okay, we have homestead sauce. I said, okay, I'll take that. And then Cheryl says, you don't need any sauce. Just, just take a bite. And she was right. No sauce was necessary. It was the most exceptional piece of meat. And that's like my meat fill for the month. Eight ounces. <laughs> so there's my there's my Guns N' Roses homestead story. You know what I remember about that trip too to New York? I remember we stayed at this really modern hotel that Axel was into. What was it called? The Royalton. The Royalton Hotel. And the bathroom was like Star Trek. And this is 20 years ago. You know, modern everything is now, but this is 20 years ago. It was like super state. <laughs> it was like computer generated. <laughs> oh, God. What a funny life I've had. So I live near this mountain. I'm going to play, I want to play you one of my, probably my favorite mountain song. Well, one of my favorite mountain songs by Neil Young. And then when we come back, I'm going to tell you about the second half of my 70s rock experience and find something else to, to share with you. Because this is Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast. <laughs>
There's a girl just down the aisle Oh, to turn and see her smile You can hear the words she wrote As you read a hidden note Oh, to live on Sugar Mountain With the barkers and the colored balloons You can't be twenty on Sugar Mountain
Energize the Lawn Friend podcast, coming to you from the desert sessions, somewhere in the valley of Las Vegas. I'm reinventing myself once again. Broken Bells. That was from one of my favorite records of 2010 or 2011. I don't know. It's called Sailing to Nowhere. <clears throat> so last night at Sticks, I heard, come sail away, come sail away. And I was never really into that song. So when on the shuffle today, when Broken Bells Sailing to Nowhere came on, I said, well, put that one in the queue. That's a great song. Just when you think nobody's listening, you get a text from Carrie. I invited a few more friends to listen to you. A couple people just sent me messages, very excited about it. 
That's so sweet. So someone is suffering through our broken, not broken bells as in the band we just heard, but our broken stream. Because our Skype might be popping in and out. Hey, never, ever expect perfection in your, in your journey, ever. Have no expectations that anything is going to be anything more than exactly what it is. Let it go. Let it all go. <clears throat> so the, uh, the other fun gig that I attended was uh, Burton Cummings at the Orleans. The Orleans is, it, it's, the, it's the, the hotel, it's the arena where I saw um, Jane's Addiction and Van Halen in the fall of 2003. Not the same gig. Jane's Addiction one night, and then a couple weeks later, Van Halen. And uh, in a smaller room last week, their showroom, which holds about 800, which is a beautiful show. It's really comfortable. Was Burton Cummings. Burton Cummings um, was lead singer of the Guess Who. He and Randy Bachman went on to form BTO, Bachman Turner Overdrive, the Canadians. They're, they made great, Guess Who made great song, great records in the 70s. And, uh, he just comes out with his piano and his band and he tells stories and he's 67 years old and he's a, a bit sort of charmingly self-deprecating and he tell he, he talks about this era that he was so fortunate to be a part of and that how these songs became huge hits when radio ruled this, this is the new radio podcasts or the new radio but it, it, it's not the same. It never can be the same because it's an on-demand thing. You go back to the 60s and 70s, you had stations that were so powerful that everybody driving in their car, and there were so few of them that, that they moved planets. They, 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 were, they were so strong in their influence. So somebody, obviously, a band comes from overseas who's got a new sound and they're going nuts talking about it. There's no internet. What's, where does the buzz come from in the 60s? What, think about that. It's out in the ether, really. It's out there. You kind of have to feel it. So, um, so the, the, this is a great gig. I had fun. It was, he played like an hour and 45, did American Woman. And when you think about classic vintage 70s guitar riffs, you think Smoke on the Water, Deep Purple, but you also have to think, Come on. I mean, that's classic. Guess who? <clears throat> so in a couple, after I finish talking, I want to read you something. I'll play you something. I'm going to end a little 
earlier tonight because of my problems with. Well, like Mike. Okay, first I have to say this. Mike calls me on my cell phone and he says, "I can't believe you asked for a one at a steakhouse." Yeah, self-deprecation is a beautiful thing. I really don't eat enough meat to know better. And my expense account days, my six-figure days, are so long since gone. But I could turn it up a notch. That was the only kind of embarrassing moment I had that this week was was ordering a one for a seventy dollars steak. And then uh, <clears throat> Mike said it sounded better that last set, so maybe we're not breaking up as much. But you know what today is? Today's Martin Luther King Day. It's a holiday, national holiday. It's the day where we remember this man of peace, this brilliant man. So I found, I have my books here with my stuff and I found my favorite book of essays Henry Miller's Stand Still Like the Hummingbird and this just jumps out at me it's an essay called The Hour of Man he wrote it in 1962 now think about that for a second Martin Luther King was still alive in 1962 to work a radical transformation all that was required as we said it, saw it, was to put into practice the simple injunction, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. No beliefs, no worship, no Ten Commandments, no ceremonials, no churches, no organizations of any kind, no waiting for a better government, better laws, better working conditions, better this or better that. Begin this moment, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, and take no thought of the morrow. Look not to Russia, China, India, not to Washington, not to the adjoining country, city, or state, but to your immediate surroundings. Forget Buddha, Jesus, Mohammed, and all others. Do your part to the best of your ability, regardless of the consequences. Above all, do not wait for the next man to follow suit. It seems so absolutely clear and simple to us, too clear, too simple perhaps. Whoever endeavors to act upon this truth has to have the courage of the lion, the tenacity of the bull, the wiliness of the serpent and the innocence of the dove. It nevertheless remains an illuminating fact that is only the presence of a handful of men in every age that keeps society from degenerating, utterly degenerating. Tradition has it that these few remain ever anonymous and that it is they who inspire the illustrious ones. Search inside yourself. And you find this voice that says, love, kindness, compassion, 
rock and roll. Community. It's all there. It's right in here. All you need is love. It's all here. That's that's it. So, you know, I march around the desert, and that's my thing. It's what I've always done. Even when I was like the heavy metal journalist traveling the world, it still was that inside. I haven't changed all that much. The bitch, the universal bitch lap altered the environment and did wreak some havoc with my with my internal mapping. But essentially, I'm the same guy. And you're, you are too. You're going through peaks, valleys, evolution, solution, dissolution, breakups, relationships. You're, you've got everything figured out one minute and you don't have a fucking clue the next. You're afraid of shit that you don't even know exists. You're waiting for something when you should be. Sitting right here, settled into the moment. That's what Miller was saying right there. That's the essence of Zen. Be here now. Dig this. What can we do about our past? Nothing. Lessons. Can we go back one minute? Can I go back to the, can I just go back to the Broken Bell song I played? No, never again. Wait, can I go back to that moment in 2014, January? The No, it's gone. Never again. Wow. Okay, so can I go ahead to tomorrow? No, tomorrow? No, no. Yeah, but I got things to do. No, but it's not there yet. It's still now. That's the only reality. Now. Right here. Right right now. Right here, right now. Right now. <laughs> they did that that night at the Orleans. Because it was a Sammy incarnation. And I love Sammy and Dave. You know, I never drank tequila with Dave, but I did with Sammy. So, Burton Cummings is introducing songs and the context where we were, not just we as, you know, music lovers, but Americans, Canadians, humans, where we were in culture when these songs came to him. And, and he closed his show with this song. And I remember this song from the radio, but I hadn't heard it in ages. And he said that he wrote it. It was like a hippie ballad. And he wrote it with maybe this one was written with Randy Bachman or somebody else, but he remembers writing it, that it represented that kind of unification vibe that was happening at, at that time. And, and then he goes on to say, and he's 67 he, and he just lost his mom like me. Another synchronicity of the week. And he says that, if you listen to this song, it sounds more lyrically and musically like it belongs here now, which is the, that is the, the litmus paper of, 
of all great music, rock and roll, from to classical to what's going to be around, what lasts, what reflects its time, its moment of creation, and what can you put on 40 years later. We can put on the Beatles 50 years later. It still sounds fucking great. Reminds us of our good, best stuff, our youth, our first pubic hairs. Put on the guess who, and you'll remember this time. And you'll say, wait, it does work now. That could be a Mac commercial. <laughs> this is Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Thank you for your patience with me tonight and, and tech and our technology mishaps, uh, wherever I am, you're here with me. It's, it's great having whatever size audience it is. I don't care really talking to one person myself. I know Mike's listening in San Pedro at our wonderful studio, but I'll be here again next week. And this is Energize Lawn Frame Podcast, and this is the Guess Who, and this song is for MLK Day, and all of you out there, you know, go hug somebody. Don't, don't push them away. Give them a hug. Thanks for sticking around.
Okay, change my mind. Friends of mine don't have the time for food or wine. Just money.
Up the thirteen steps of the gallows walked the condemned man. And time passes very quickly when death is near. After having completed the first step, the condemned man knew there were but twelve left before he would meet death and his soul would leave his body. And after having completed the 13 steps, the condemned man was met by a giant cloaked figure. And with a quick flick of the wrist, the man was dead. And his soul left his body and went down, down, down. To a place we laughingly refer to as hell. But none of us will ever go there because we're all far too groovy. The man's body was left to rot on the gallows, and a great multitude of black birds came and picked the man's corpse apart, piece by piece, limb by limb, until nothing remained and his blood melted into the ground below. The gallows was made from a tree created by God. The man's blood dripped into the ground which was created by God. Even the giant cloaked figure which was the man's own end was created by God. Even the man's soul which went down was created by God. Even the black birds which picked the man's corpse apart were created by God. And where was God? together when it's all over 
And that's why we say That recorded these eyes, recorded that psychedelic, the guess who meets Jim Morrison, li celebration of the Canadian lizard, opus, tripped out, poppy infested opus, friends of mine, guess who? I was just giving you a quick out there earlier, but it's, it's, it's freedom. It's freedom that makes the artistic process so fucking important, so cool. So now the show is over. Thank you and good night.